I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. And today we're going to combine what's been our most downloaded episode this year, which was our weight loss keto episode with economic development. We're going to combine the two of those today. I can't tell you the number of people that I heard from. I done heard from somebody's lost 15 pounds and 20 pounds and 30 pounds and this and that and the other. So today what we're going to do is actually combine a little economic development talk with a little bit of our weight loss talk. And so to do that, our guest today is Ray Methvin. And so he is the owner of both Insightful and AHA Creative, a marketing firm, but also with a specialty in economic development. You'll see them at uh, IEDC and other booths. And uh, Ray, welcome to our show. Hey, Chad. It's good to be here. Thanks. So Ray actually designed the Next Move Group logo. So if you're looking at our email and you see that night on the top of it, Ray designed it. So Ray and I got to know each other years ago when I was economic developer in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. He did all of our marketing. So we're going to get into economic development in a minute, but Ray... And I both had got too big. Ray, I might ask you in a minute how big you had got. I had got to 268 pounds. And Ray and I both, without knowing the other one was doing it, were doing the keto diet. And Ray texted me one day and said, you look like you're losing some weight. And I said, yeah, I'm doing the keto. And he said, he is. Well, rock along about nine months. And I texted Ray one day last week and said, Ray, I'm down to 211. He said, you ain't going to believe this. I'm 211. And I said, well, if we literally weigh the same thing the same day, then we got to get you on our show. So we're going to start out with all our disclaimers. As I did the last time, we are not doctors. We are not weight loss experts. We are not nutritionists. None of that. All we're going to do is tell you our own personal story. But I heard from so many of you who were inspired and started in on the diet after our last show that I thought, well, we'll, We'll try this again. So, Ray, your father is a doctor, though, if I remember. So while you're not one, we do have somebody in the family. I was the firstborn son of a town doctor in Loretta, Tennessee, and for all practical purposes, that meant I was the high school doctor. I was the camp doctor. 
and I was able to treat everything from a hangover to a sprained ankle. So I'm duly qualified. Well, I wish y'all could see our video because I'm looking at Ray. Ray, I'm going to guess you're down 80 pounds looking at you. I mean, anywhere close to right? The people are just going to be hearing this on audio, not a video. Your over-under is about 20 pounds. I've hit the century mark. Wow. So you've gotten over 300. You're down over 100 pounds now. Yeah. If you're like me, I always kind of exercised and I played at it, though. I never sat and said, all right, I'm fixing to lose 50 pounds. I always played at it, but I was always on some kind of a diet or whatever till I stumbled into this and the weight just fell off of me. So had you tried to lose before? What really made you do it this way this time? I had tried to lose before and I had done different programs, everything from, you know, every national advertised program you've seen, whether it was Weight Watchers or Nutrisystems or something on my own or a book that we had bought or, or one thing after another. And it would work for me a little bit. I'd lose 10, 15 pounds, 20 pounds maybe. And then I would stop. I would think that I have gotten a handle on it and I wouldn't pay attention anymore. And that's what I found a lot of those programs were good for. They were good for getting a bit off of you and continuing to get your money. That didn't work for me. And also, you know, old man age started sneaking up with me and some of the bad habits that I had that were forgivable when I was 20 and 30 and 35 were no longer forgivable anymore. Still like to eat. But my body said, you like to eat so much, we're going to keep that weight around. Yeah, well, Ray and I both like to eat and we like to drink. That's probably where that Nick Food Group <laughs> night logo came up. So I started this in November. When did you start it? I started on January 5th, 2021. Wow. So you've lost more faster than me. You've beat me. I got a month and a half head on you and I'm only down, let's see, I'm down 57 pounds as of that. You had less to lose than I did, though. And there is a point where, you know, when you start getting towards your goal weight, when your BMI starts getting down to 27, 28, 26, that large 15 pounds at a time slows down. So how did you stumble into, so I'm doing keto and fasting, and I think you're doing the keto as well. And there's a couple of variations, but let's assume we're doing a similar thing. How did you find out about it? And what made you decide to give it a try? Well, I had honestly gotten really frustrated with myself, down about it. I was not happy with it. I have a friend here in Middle Tennessee who had been losing some weight. And he and I had happened to get together a couple of times. And I said, hey, Joel, you look good, you know, and I feel bad. What are you doing? And this is a little bit of the different direction between you and me, Chad. Joel said, I've been going to a physician. And he's put me on a program. I've been on this program for six months and I've lost 40 pounds and I love the program. It's medically supervised. This fella has his fellowship in weight management. He's a weight management physician. I feel really good about it. My whole family's doing it. If you're serious, you should give him a call and tell him Joel said for you to give him a call. I did. Short story. It took me six months to get in to see him. They were just not accepting new patients. So I went through that holiday period. They called me on December the 28th and said, we have a slot open on January 5th. You want to come in? I had just gotten to a point where I didn't even like to go outside. I didn't like going out and being seen by people. I looked for excuses not to go somewhere because I was so unhappy with how I looked, how I felt 
how my clothes felt, how my knees, joints, everything felt, that I looked for excuses not to go. So I said, I'm fed up with this. I'm not this kind of person. I'm going to go on January 5th and I'm going to see what happens. So you went and then did you immediately do what he said or did you come home and research it? Or I mean, how long did it take you to then jump all in? They sent me some research material in advance. And on January 5th, I went for a full, I mean, a full blood workup, urinalysis, kidney functions, liver functions, a 20 page report that they had to have before they would accept, accept, accept me. And part of that first visit was a one hour look at my blood work and my urinalysis and the different markers that I had and a real true picture of what my health situation was like. Uh, The good news is it was better than I was scared it would be. And that gave me some hope. And Dr. Parker gave me some really good advice. And we talked, as I said, for an hour longer about every different data point in my blood work. And he pointed out that, you know what? Good news is you're not diabetic. The bad news is you're headed there. The good news is your triglycerides are good. The bad news is your cholesterol is not is headed there. So we're going to make all of this a focus. Losing weight will happen, but it's also going to improve all of your blood measures. So that gave me something on a monthly basis to focus on. The weight came off. They gave me, here's what we want you to do for the next month. Don't worry about eight months down the road, but for the next month, you do this. If you have questions, you call us. So I did that month to month. Wow. Well, so you did a structured deal. And so I didn't, I just started watching YouTube (laughs) and I started watching (laughs) various YouTube doctors, but it does make me feel better that you've done it under medical supervision because you'll have the occasional person that look at you and tell you you're crazy for doing this. Yes. And I say, well, maybe I am, but it's the only thing I ever found that works. So between the two of us, we're down over 160 pounds. So we must have some expertise. I've done no exercise with this. Have you, have you done it all by diet or have you also added exercise? I have added exercise to a degree, but I have not added crazy exercise. I, you know, I'm not out two hours a day. I find myself and partly it's just because I felt better about doing it. I'll get in nine or 10,000 steps a day, but it's not because I'm punishing myself to do it. It's just because the joints feel better. I'm more active. It's easy for me to, I can get that first five or 6,000 steps in and not have felt anything at all. Think about it, Chad. I buy dog food for our dog in a 50 pound bag. I was carrying two bags of dog food around with me every moment of my life. Yeah. Getting rid of those has made me feel like eight, 10,000 steps, the three or four miles a day. That's nothing. So I have added activity, but it's not been in a way that I feel like I'm doing something so dramatically different that I can't keep up the lifestyle. Well, I mentioned to my buddy Kenneth one day, about when I hit 50 pounds, I said, you know, I've lost the weight. I wonder if people can notice. Now people say it all the time. I noticed about 30 or 40 pounds when they started commenting on that. And he said, go pick up 50 pounds and walk down the French Quarter. Make yourself a circle to the river and come back to your apartment and see how you feel. And he's right. Just yes. walking across town now. I had noticed that so we didn't have Mardi Gras last year, but the year before, the last time we had Mardi Gras, I noticed by the end of that, of course, by the end of Mardi Gras, you're the heaviest you're going to be because you've been eating all <laughs> kinds of stuff and drinking. And by the end of that, I mean, on Mardi Gras day, 
kind of like you saying, you didn't want to go out on Mardi Gras day. Like my knees hurt, my feet hurt. I didn't even want to go to the parades. Now that's been two years ago, you yeah. know, before I got my biggest, but now you're right. I mean, I notice that most when I'm walking up the odd flight of stairs or something and I'm not hoarse, <laughs> you know, in the, yeah. and I had gotten to where I would be short of breath, but I've done it with no exercise. Now I'm down to 211. I want to start doing some weightlifting, maybe put a little muscle on, but I'm not going to kill myself. You know, I've come 57 pounds. I want to reward myself a little. As far as your diet, because I've done this totally unstructured. So I haven't been measuring how many protein or this or that I eat. You're raised Southern like me. We eat a lot of biscuits, <laughs> and potatoes and sweets and fried food. So my goal has been to eat as much fatty meat as I can, you know, the ribeye, the ribs, you know, the skin on the chicken. And just eat as much of that as I can, eat a few vegetables and try to avoid any bread or sweets or whatnot. But I have not said and counted out all my calories at all. So have you done that or how have you kind of made sure you stuck to it? My supervised diet has been structured completely around carbohydrates. And my daily maximum carb intake per day is 20 carbs a day. It's completely doable. But I'll tell you what was an eye-opener. I mentioned January 5th is my start day. By January 6th, I had had the shock of my life. When I went into stores and looked at items that I thought were good for me that I had been doing as a favor to myself, I'll give you an example. Don't have to mention the maker, but these pre-portioned cups of oatmeal that I would think that's a great thing for me to have in the morning. How good is that for me? Give you an example. Some of those pre-portioned cups of oatmeal, 64 grams of carbs in a cup, which is three and a quarter days of carbs for me. It was such a wake-up call to look at what's in your food. Look at things that we find out like low-fat milk. You know what's left in low-fat milk? Sugar, carbohydrates. There's more carbs in low-fat milk than there are in heavy cream. Essentially, there are zero carbs or minimal carbs in heavy cream. So it meant paying attention for the first time in my life, learning about what I was sticking in my mouth. I've said the same thing. And so I used to would get the low-fat stuff thinking I was doing good. I'd eat margarine instead of butter. I would cook in the vegetable oil which come to find out it's the worst thing you can cook in and thinking I was doing right. <laughs> you know, I thought I, that's why this diet so threw me on top of my head because when I started hearing, you know, you can eat fat and I'm sort of on the 20 carbs as well, but I don't really track it totally, but that's kind of where I try to get to it. And I started losing the weight and Ray, I don't know about you. If you've lost hundred pounds since January, you must've not had a single setback. I really have not. I have not had a single month where I gained weight. I didn't lose a lot last month. I was gone a lot. The hurricane came. I was gone. I was stressed. My mother's birthday, I ate a piece of cake. I mean, I'm getting to where now once in a while I'll eat some carbs. I'm still not trying to do it. But mine consistently fell off. I never had that. On most diets, you know, you stall. I have not had that. Have you had that on this? No, I've had a consistent weight loss. Now, it was a lot heavier, a lot more weight in the first three months, but that's just a measure of percentage. There was more weight to come off but I have lost steadily 10 pounds or more every month. Wow. So no, I haven't had setbacks. I've been really fortunate. You know, Chad, it is funny. I think there are probably, we have some inherent differences in our metabolism where even saying I was going to have only 20 carbs a day. And you know me, I'm 6'3". I'm a big bone guy anyway. So I'm not a tiny, tiny person. 
So I'm probably going to burn a lot of calories during the day, just being my size. But I have another friend who is in this same plan with me. And that person has struggled after losing probably 60 pounds, whatever they've lost. They have struggled mightily because they seem to be plateaued and can't move. Now, personal aside, one of the things that I think probably has made you and me successful, I think we do watch what we eat. And I think maybe we don't kid ourselves as much as my friend, one of my friends does, I'll say. We stayed in different places for a weekend with our families together. And he would tell me, well, I can't lose weight. I plateaued. Well, we'd be out at dinner and I'd noticed that half that dessert went to the wrong plate. So (laughs) there are choices you make, whether you're keeping up or not. I'm telling you the honest truth from January the 1st until probably August, I did not have a single dessert. So I've been following this guy, Mark Sisson, who's big into the keto diet, but he also talks about at some point you want to get your body metabolically flexible. That's what he calls it to where you can eventually burn various stuff. So I went to dinner with a friend of mine and had a tiramisu first sweet I've had in eight months. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to get up in the morning and be up two pounds. I woke up the next morning. I had lost a pound. <laughs> so that, <laughs> that encouraged me a little. And then I had a piece of birthday cake for my mother's birthday, but I stay full. I, I don't stay hungry on this diet. Old diets, I would stay hungry on. But every morning, I ate three eggs and three bacon. I'm not hungry for a while. And then I'll eat a ribeye steak and some green beans with bacon in it. And then it just fills you up. You know, I really don't miss sweets. I was never a huge sweet eater, but I love potatoes. That's really the only thing I miss. But I'm replacing potatoes with ribeye steak and hamburger meat and chicken, you know, stuff that is good. I don't ever really feel I'm depriving myself. So what do you eat in a normal diet? What's your normal breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Uh, normal breakfast is really, I'll have three or four slices of bacon, or I'll have two or three patties, uh, sausages, or I'll have some scrambled eggs, or I'll have an omelet. And part of that is because I am hungry when I get up. I get up early. I'm an early riser. I'm up by six. So by eight o'clock, I need some breakfast. And then after that, I'm pretty full. About one or two o'clock, I'll typically in a day, I'll have some almonds and some cheese and some maybe some roast beef or some ham or something. And I'm good until dinner time. Then for dinner, I'm like you. I'll have a nice steak or I'll have some chicken. I love fish. I'll have some salmon or I'll have some cod or I'll have something that I really like. And my wife loves buffalo chicken wings. Well, Almost every Sunday, we'll treat ourselves and have some real buffalo, fried buffalo wings. The things that you would have sworn you could never have, this diet, keto, actually allows you to have because of the process it puts your body into. Wings are great, and it feels like you're rewarding yourself without gobbling a half a pie. Now, I'm frying stuff in bacon grease. Are you frying in olive oil? And I'm using the ground up pork rinds, pork panko as my batter, you know. Yeah. Now, I'm not cooking a lot in bacon grease simply because Mary doesn't like it, won't eat it. So I'll do a lot of olive oil. And to be honest, the summer has been good about it. I'll just throw some charcoal on the grill. And I love the taste of chicken or fish or beef when there's some charcoal smoke around it. So we've eaten a lot of charcoal smoked stuff as well. I used to think that eating some rice uh, well, I'll just, I'll have rice with that. Rice is good for you. And it rice is good for you. And rice 
you know, feeds the world. Truth of the matter is, rice like potato is a carbohydrate counters uh, nightmare. I had to learn, don't eat rice, don't eat potatoes, don't eat bread. You know, and it gets pretty simple after that. If you'll say, don't eat a dessert, don't eat bread, don't eat the potato, don't eat the rice. A lot of the other stuff you can eat is just there and fine for you. Yeah. It's easy at home. And when I first started going back out to eat after COVID, I found it hard. But now I know what any Mexican place, I can get the fajitas and just not get the tortillas. And I'm generally fine. Most of those vegetables I can eat, the chicken, the steak. You know, so I'm doing a lot of those. And, you know, at a steakhouse, you can always get a steak or fish. With uh, They'll usually have broccoli or asparagus or something. So I've really not had much trouble getting by even on the road. Right. It just means you have to think about 30 seconds longer. And you can't just have the knee jerk. Oh, yeah. Pass over that endless bread. Let's have more bread. And you have to make conscious decisions about, hey, if y'all want dessert, get some dessert. I'm probably going to pass, but y'all should have it. Because the truth of the matter is, you can always find a piece of beef, chicken, fish, or pork that is just fine for you. You can have almost every salad that's out there as long as it's not loaded with croutons, as long as it doesn't have a lot of the candies and fats and sweets on it. I love a wedge of iceberg. A wedge of iceberg that has bacon crumbles on it and blue cheese crumbles and blue cheese dressing. I love that salad. And that turns out that's good for me. That's what I should be. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my buildings and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other builders and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success. Now, have you dealt with people who said, how'd you lose the weight? And you tell them and they say, oh, you're crazy. That's bad for you. That won't work. Because I have. And they're typically the really skinny people who work out every day that, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, they go, yeah. oh, oh, you shouldn't do that. You should this or that or the other. And I think to myself, yeah, you never got as big as I did. You know, what right. do you know? You've always been skinny and muscular. What do you know about losing weight? Right. Exactly. You know, you're skinny. If that worked for you, you don't understand the different set of challenges that I feel like I have. And if you tell me that, hey, I'm not sure that keto is good for you, well, let me tell you what's not good for me. High A1C count, high blood pressure, high triglycerides, high cholesterols, carrying around that much extra weight. I know that's not good for me. That's where, you know, I did have the fallback saying, 
I have a physician who's monitoring me month in and month out on this. I think I'm doing pretty well. And my blood chemistries, by the way, have never been better. And I will tell you this, Chad, and this is where you and I cross into human perception and human nature or observing human nature a little bit. There are folks out there who don't want you to succeed. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely right. But, you know, I just think back, especially raised in the rural South, basically <laughs> everything that I ate all my childhood was sugar. And I didn't know that. And my parents didn't know then that didn't make them bad people by any stretch. That's just how it was. I mean, my mother yeah. would put sugar in the green beans. That's just yeah. part of spicing the green, you know, and that. And so I think that probably if I had to guess, and again, I'm not an expert, but if I had to guess, I think some of us, if we grow up with that, particularly in the South, because we eat everything fried, maybe our bodies don't have a tolerance to the carbs that others do. I bet you that's why some people do good on the keto and some don't. I bet some of us just flat out can't tolerate them because right. maybe we've had them every bite all our life. And I bet you were raised similarly. Absolutely. I, my God, love my mom. And I'm so fortunate. My mom and dad are still around. And we're here to have a great time with them. I see my mom and dad on Saturdays and Sundays almost every week. Here's what I hear almost every week. Hey, honey, I've got some pecan pie in there if you'd like just a little bit. And I tell, no, I don't need any pecan pie, mom. You know, appreciate it, but I don't need it. Honey, just one slice. And she means well. Because yeah, that's, that's the Southern way. Yeah. And love meant a piece of pecan pie. Hey, that's the one thing I might have to have it. I said I don't much like sweets, but I love pecan pie. So when Thanksgiving yeah. comes, Thanksgiving, I'll be at it a year. So I might have to I might have to ease off. Well, you're at 211 now. Do you have an end goal? Because people have asked me my goal, and I don't know that I have one. It's not hard for me. And so right now, I'm just kind of enjoying it. You know, maybe I want to get to 195. I don't know, but I really don't have an end goal. Do you or, you know, what do you foresee as your jumping off point? Well, I see. Yeah, I have a goal, but that's kind of twofold because I'm in, I've been in my active weight loss zone, 20 carbs per day. I'll move into a transition zone that's going to be a different carb count to see where my body says they're okay. But my goal that I've set for myself is 200 pounds. With the longer term goal, of if I hit 200 and then put five back on, I want my floating point to be at 205, plus or minus two or three pounds. And I figure if I hit 200, I'm probably going to have a five pound bounce. And that's okay with me because that's where my goal is anyway. For me at my size and whatever, in the times of my life when I've been below 200 pounds, it's a hard weight for me to keep. 200 pounds to 205, I can do because I've done it before. When I've been below 200, people tell me that I don't look healthy, which is odd. Maybe I've just got a big head and the big bones and, you know, <laughs> so I don't want to get to that, which is probably why I want to start doing a little muscle. But I honestly don't have a, and you know, you know me, you've known me a long time. I'm a very goal-oriented person. Yeah. I never had a goal with this. I went to Vegas. And I didn't feel good on that trip. And when I flew home, I got on the scale and I was 268. And I didn't know anything about keto. I guess I'd probably heard of it, but didn't know anything about it. And I put it in YouTube, you know, how to lose weight and up pop these keto videos. That's how I started. And I just started. I did not have any goal. I had nothing. Now, as I went, I'm kind of competitive. You know, if I weighed 215 last week, let's see, can I get to 214? But yeah. I tell you, I think the most satisfying for me, I had got up to a double XL shirt. Yeah. This shirt I got on right now is a large. Yeah. You know, that actually, 
I think even more so than the scale, I have taken satisfaction out of that because I just literally can feel, you know, that I'm smaller. I'll give you a little fat guy's observation or secret. You know, you may tell me you've done this as well. Pull a T-shirt or a, a, some sort of shirt or stretch shirt out of your drawer in the morning when you're big and heavy. What's the first thing you do? You stretch that waist out so it fits you like a tent. Somewhere along the way, I realized I don't stretch shirts out anymore. They fit me and they just drop down because my waist now is inches smaller than my shoulders. Oh, yeah. And it's a different feeling. Yeah, it is. Now, I'm also doing fasting. Are you doing any of that or are you just doing the keto diet part? I'm not doing organized fasting. I know where you may go a 24-hour period without it. Depending on what I feel like in the morning when I get up, I'll go 12 to 18 hours in a fast. And, and then let's say I've been at a conference and I know that I've drunk more wine than I should have, or I know that I'm on the upper edge of where I ought to be. I'll hit a couple of days of a 12-hour fast and typically feel I'm right back where I wanted to be. Yeah, but folks, Ray's lost over 100 pounds, no fasting, just with strictly doing the keto diet. So yep. again, Ray and I are not experts, but we want to tell you our story because, you know, we live similar lifestyles. Ray is a leader in his community. He served as a city commissioner. So Ray does a lot of the things that many of our listeners does, you know, owns his own company. Uh, I guess our company's about the same size now, Ray. We got about the same number of staff members. And I don't know if you were like me. I didn't gain 50 pounds at once. I gained five pounds every year. And then 10 exactly. years later, it was 50 on me. So it kind of crept up on me. And so it, I never, it never happened so drastically that I was like, oh my goodness, I got to do something. Yeah, exactly. You know, and if you put on five, six, seven pounds a year over 20 years, you do the math and you go, holy cow. But when you look at yourself gradually in the mirror, you don't see that big a change. But that change is there. It's just crept up on you. Ray, this is the honest truth. And you can laugh at me. When we started putting these videos out last year in the COVID, that's when we come up with this idea to do these videos. That was, I guess, at my heaviest. I didn't really know it. I wasn't in the habit of weighing every day. Looking at those videos, I thought I looked good. I never once thought I was overweight looking at those videos. Now, a year later, I go back and look at them, and I think, my God, how did I not know that I was too heavy? I'll go back and watch the same video. Because when you just gain it incrementally, it never hits you. And right. I think that's probably the dangerous part on people. And then they wake up one day. And luckily, I didn't have any of those problems yet. But I wasn't feeling good. So I bet you I was on my way to pre-diabetic. I wish I'd had my blood work done before I started, but I didn't. But I did have it done in April. By April, I was probably down to 230. And mm -hmm. my blood work was perfect at that time. So it's probably even better now because I've lost another 15 or 20 pounds since then. Are you still having yeah. yours done every month or do you just go in for a checkup or? I go in for a monthly appointment, but I have my blood checked every three months. That gives it enough time for trends and things to happen and to be able to see something that's a legitimate data point rather than, oh, something just bipped up two days later. Right, right. Yeah, so you met me when I moved to Lawrenceburg, Tennessee to run the chamber and I was yep. in my late 20s and I was heavy then, but. I mean, I guess, you know, over the years, you just put it on and, you know, in that world, which most of our people are, you're having dinners every night, you're having Christmas parades, you're having, now I will say this, I'm still drinking on this diet, but I'm drinking straight liquor. I don't drink any mixer. I don't drink any sugar with it. I don't drink beer and I'm trying to avoid wine. I'll have a wine every now and then, 
Are you drinking on this diet or are you totally no alcohol? I was totally no alcohol for probably four or five months. I was really, really, really stringent about it. I drink wine and I like scotch. So I'll drink a scotch. I'll have a vodka and soda with some lime in it. And I will have some wine. And I'll tell you, it made me feel good about my purchases. Because one of the things I did learn in doing some online research, the better the wine you buy, as a general rule, the less carb count it has. Cheaper wines add sugar to the wine to mask the problems in the taste of the wine. So treat yourself to a $25 bottle of wine rather than that $5 chuck, and you'll have less carbs, a much better wine. And Chad, that is something that for me anyway, I did make the decision early on that if I was going to do this, it's not that it's tough and it's not that it's hard work. It's just relentless. I knew that I needed some sort of small rewards for myself. My small reward was I'm not going to have a cheap piece of meat. If I want a steak, I'm going to have a good steak. If I'm going to have some wine, I'm not going to cheat myself into some junk $5 wine. I'm going to treat myself. That's going to be, instead of having a big dessert, I'm going to say the things I'm going to have, I'm going to have really good choices. Well, you'll have to fly back to New Orleans. We'll go to La Boca and have that $100 bottle of wine. I see a hanger steak in front of me and a, and a $100 <laughs> bottle of wine right now. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. For this week's Executive Search Spotlight, we're going to talk about Plainview, Hale County, Texas, out in West Texas. We're doing a search for a Director of Economic Development for the Plainview, Hale County area. Plainview is located basically halfway between Lubbock and Amarillo. It's a little bit closer to Lubbock, but it's in that Lubbock-Amarillo market to give you an idea. And they've had good success. They've created over 5,000 jobs in the last 15 years via their economic development efforts. Plainview's a small town of about 22,000 people, but it's close enough to Lubbock. Of course, Lubbock's got Texas Tech University, so you're close enough to there to really have all of those amenities. And as I mentioned, you're not far from Amarillo either. It has Waveland Baptist University, which is a four-year private Christian college with over 3,000 students. And their women's basketball team was actually just inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. This position is going to serve as a primary point of contact for economic development in the city and the county and really market and promote the city and county to industrial manufacturing as well as commercial business prospects. It's also going to oversee the entire economic development program, promote sites, and coordinate the business retention and expansion efforts. Walmart has a distribution center there, and some of the other existing industries include Azteca Milling, Panhandle Popcorn, Casa Rica Tortillas, a lot of food processing. And of course, as you would imagine in West Texas, you've got lots of oil and gas as well. Pioneer, Martin, White Energy, several others uh, from an existing industry standpoint. Plainview is really... It's also a hub for wind energy. So BNSF has a logistics wind turbine distribution center in Plainview, the BNSF Railroad. That's where their wind turbine distribution center is. So it's a huge opportunity for that. Excel Energy, the power company, has a wind project down there, a 478-megawatt wind farm with 239 wind turbines that produce enough electricity to power 180,000 homes. 
course, anytime you're talking Texas, you talk no state income taxes, so they have those advantages. This job's going to pay between eighty-five dollars and $110,000 plus competitive benefits. If you're interested in applying, do so by Friday, September 24th at noon. You can apply by sending a resume to Plainview at thenextmovegroup.com or go find the job profile on our website, thenextmovegroup.com backslash plainview-tx. Well, let's transition to a little economic development. So as sure. you all go to various economic development conferences, you might see the insightful booth there. I think y'all are going to be at IEDC here in a week or two. I'm going to be there. So maybe that's where we'll celebrate our weight loss with a keto, <laughs> with a keto meal of some kind. Tell these folks uh, some of the offerings y'all have. And there's a couple that really interest me, and I'll let you tell them. One of them for sure I want to talk about is your jobs board. I actually did a deal this morning where I recommended that to a community as labor is a bigger deal. And I know you're doing something really cool with virtual tours for buildings, which if I were an economic developer, I would gobble up to Mars. And I know that's not all you're doing, but those two really interest me particularly. So give these folks an overview of Insightful. And I know you'll be at IEDC. Someone will be there. Maybe they can look you up. He'll be the skinny guy. He'll be the skinny <laughs> guy now. In the booth. White hair and skinny pants. So the hair I can't change, but the pant size I can. So I'll do what I can. Insightful is uh, we are a digital marketing agency. We handle everything. The most apparent part of that in years past has been a website because that's the most obvious digital tool in any economic development organization's tool chest. But it's a lot more than that. It starts with research. It starts with data. It starts with target industry analysis that gives your website meaning. We find along the way, and Chad, you and I have talked about this a lot, a lot of what a community can show or have is based on old data, bad data, or wishful thinking. We try to take the wishful thinking and bad data out of uh, communities marketing. And we do that through data-oriented, data-forward websites, uh, research, uh, target industry analysis, and then what we like to call our core four. Our core four are four platform independent modules that you can use on any website or tool that your community would like to. And they revolve around, as you mentioned, the community job board. They revolve around a virtual tour camera kit that helps your buildings and sites. They revolve around IEDC and Site Selectors Guild buildings and sites module. They revolve around a demographic dashboard that automatically updates itself without the economic development local staff ever touching it. And why do those? Because you don't have enough hours in the day. Like a lot of your clients, a lot of our clients are lean operations. There are one, two, three, four, five people there with a combination of skill sets, a lot of hats to wear and not a lot of time to do it. So the more that we can give a local community automatically updating modules that they don't have to learn how to do computer engineering to manage, the better. And that takes place also with the community job board you mentioned. One of the reasons we put the community job board together is because it's a really good way for the economic development organization to give back and show the local community that we're building from within. We're finding, we're making connections between our local and regional employers and job seekers 
right here within our own communities. We're not getting on a plane and flying to 1800 miles away to talk to someone you don't know, can't figure out who they are and why are they coming here? Let's take care of our own. This gives the local EDO a chance to facilitate local employers and job seekers without adding four hours to your day and being a hopeless go-between between employers and job seekers. It's all automated. It's essentially set and forget. It allows us to set the system up for the EDO. The EDO can then put that on their website, or in some cases, our communities have gone out and gotten specific websites for the job board. Then they manage, they just allow the employers and the job seekers to look for those jobs. They can sort them and look for them by pay, by rate of pay, by job classification, by map location. Let's say you're a job seeker and you can't drive more than 15 miles away from your home. You can pinpoint every job within 15 miles from your home. Let's say you're an employer and you want to be able to reach out to everyone with a two-year associate's degree in advanced manufacturing. You can set that as a filtering set so that someone has to do that before they're even matched up with you. And once all of this happens, anytime an employer sets a new job on there, we can set it so that it automatically posts to your Facebook page. Mm -hmm. You don't have to remember to do any of this. It's all automated. It's set and forget. And it's also uh, really affordable. Well, and so I guess the way all your stuff works is you can just buy a module at a time. So I don't need a whole yes. new website, but I'm interested in this or that. I mean, that's your modules will plug into anybody's website. They don't have to spend $100,000 on a brand new website. Absolutely correct. Because, you know, the reality is you either have a website you love or you're in between budget cycles and can't do it. And every module we make is platform independent. We have a method for it to plug into 99.99% of every website out there. And we will also train you in its use. And we are always here because we are fully staffed like you are, fully staffed internally so that if you have problems, we're here to help you. And I'm highly interested in your virtual building tour of a real building. So not a virtual spec building, but a real building. So you have a camera. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if I'm envisioning, you send a camera out, you know, let's say I'm a random economic developer in Texas. So, yeah. so you send me the camera to use within my real building and you have in there instructions of how to set it up. So how does that work? It's a self-contained kit comes to you in about a 28 inch by eight inch by four inch box that we ship to you. It includes everything you need to do to do your virtual tour, including the camera, the tripod, the remote pad that runs it, and also offloads and stores the photography, all the cables, and then a video that's on the tablet itself and an instruction guide to take you as a one, two, three step. Here's how you can do your virtual tour. Once you're finished with your virtual tour, or if you've got seven or eight buildings that you want to do, you take all of those photos, you easily organize them into folders, you send the kit back to us and we do the tour for you. Wow. Once the tour is built and it is a 360 degree, easily user movable, 360 degree virtual tour. Once you send the kit back to us, we usually turn these around about 48, to 72 hours. 
we send you a link. All you do is add that link to your building's sites module or anywhere on your website you want, or if you want to include it in an e-blast or some digital flyers that you want to send out. That link, someone clicks on it and it brings up a fully integrated virtual tour that you can also embed PDFs in, you can embed videos in, you can embed quality of life documentation. If you're that community in Texas who wants to talk about this available building, but you also want to talk about how wonderful your quality of life is in that community, embed a quality of life video within that virtual tour. All the user does is click on it and a video opens up and starts playing. And you don't have to have any coding skills whatsoever. It just works. Wow. Well, folks, I would be highly interested in that if I were y'all. So I assume if people find you at ADC, they can do a little demo of it probably. Will you have it set up? Absolutely. We'll have, we'll have the camera available. We're also going to be in Texas. Yes, we have all of these are available. And we have a touchscreen kiosk that allows the user our visitor just kind of walk themselves through a demo of it as well. All of this is easy to demo. All of this is easy for us to share on a Zoom call or to see us in person. We would love the opportunity to show you how easy it can be to really have a data-oriented and automated structure to your presence. I know we've had you on our membership podcast before, but I don't think we ever had you on the one that goes out to the public. So give these folks your web address. We are insightful.com. And Chad, you know, this is spelled a little bit differently. That is I-N-S-Y-T-E-F-U-L.com, insightful.com. All right. And as we conclude, what's your biggest weight loss tips to those out there who listen to that and they're thinking about starting? What would you tell them? A little bit every day. Don't give up. It's chipping away at it a little bit every day. And don't get sidetracked by desserts. Know what's in your hitting range and know what's not in your hitting range and just be committed. Those are good advice. And I guess mine would be, and I'm doing this more now than ever, I'm trying to eat foods that have one ingredient. So steak has one ingredient. In other words, egg is one ingredient. Rather than, you know, in the old days I might eat, you know, the hamburger helper out of a box. And if you ever turn that thing around and look at the ingredients, there'll be like a list of 25, most of which I'm not smart enough to say the word. And so, so what I have found is a lot of times those are code words for sugar. There'll be all kinds of stuff in there. And so my advice would be stick to the stuff that you know, what's in it. And I think that's helping me probably as much as anything. And I'm like, right, do a little bit every day. And if you do have a bad day, because last year when I started Thanksgiving, I ate whatever I want Christmas. Yeah. And, I, and I probably will this year. Don't let one day stop you. Get back on the track the next week. I guess the last thing I'll ask before we hang up, you read about the keto flu because people are so hooked to carbohydrate. You get hooked to it like you do alcohol yes. or anything. You know, you get addicted to the sugar. I was. And so you will read that for the first couple of weeks, people try this. They'll almost have flu-like symptoms, getting the detoxification. I yes. had a little of that. Wasn't terrible. Did you go through that at all? I did have a little bit of it. It wasn't that bad, but I knew it was there. Probably at some point we can have a second conversation that may be more of a TMI conversation. Be prepared, especially as your body is cleansing itself from a carb-heavy, sugar-heavy, starch-heavy diet that we typically live off of. 
your body's going to go through a handful of changes. And those changes are a good thing. Just know, hey, your body's ridding itself of 20 years of bad habits that you shoved down your throat. And once you get to the other side, you do feel good. I mean, you actually probably feel better than you did. This sounds like a cliche, but Chad, I have to tell you, I am more alert. I am more energetic. I get up earlier. I stay up later. I don't feel the need for an old man nap in the middle of the day. I walk for miles at a time. I just feel better. I'm not hungry. I eat less than ever. And for one of the first times in my life, I'm not fixated on food. All right, folks, that is Ray Methvin with Insightful. I believe he and I will both be at IEDC. So if you want to go have a keto dinner with us, we promise we'll go buy you a steak and show you how to do it. And you'll say, whoa, that was good. You'll say that was way better than I thought. So, And here's my promise. It'll be a good steak. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Chad. It's good to see you. 